0: James chapter 1, from verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business." Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created.
1: Well before we get started, uh open in a word of prayer as we contemplate this passage in particular. Let's close our eyes. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truth, and that it is life giving. And lord as we come to it this morning help us to have the eyes of our hearts open so that we can see you and see your goodness and lord that after this time this morning that we will truly be able to count it as all joy um all our trials all our struggles all the things that we face lord help us to reshift help us to change our focus As we think about your word this morning, shift from ourselves, our selfish intentions and desires, and shift to seeking you. So Lord, we pray that you speak to us this morning through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Well, we've read the passage, so I won't read it again. Um, But as we get started, uh, I think Ludwig has highlighted it quite well. Uh, this, this morning, as we've been led through the service, and I think the challenge is that we all face trials. Trials of all sorts of kind, all kinds. Um, so if I can ask that question, if anyone wants to be bold enough and raise their hand, who feels that they are feeling the weight of trials in their lives? Struggles, suffering, hardship? Anybody? everybody. <laughs> I think it's good to own up to it. <clears throat> it's good to admit it. It is important that we recognize when we are facing trials. As we get started in this, in this passage, uh, a couple things to just take note of. The, the first thing is that the concept of trials You see it there in verse 2 in particular. It kicks us off. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. This is the first mention of it. And then if you scan down to verse 12 again, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised those who love him. So there is this idea of trial, uh, again, in verse 13, it says, and let no one say, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. The reason why I'm drawing your attention to these passages is the word trial is a very, there's a very particular word uh, in the Greek. And, and trial and temptation is a very similar word. And it's, in fact, from the same root word. And it's important that we just recognize that the word trial and tempt is actually an interchangeable word in one sense. So when you're reading that first verse, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials, one could also, in one sense, read temptations of various kinds. It's not exclusively just trials, as you would imagine a gauntlet or running a course of trials and, you know, all these things that you might have to face, but it is actually also temptations. So what's the distinction? What's the difference? Well, there's a very fine line, and we're not going to try and draw a a clear distinction, because that takes, it's far too complicated and far too difficult. But know that trials and temptations are very much the same thing. Uh, What we could point out, however, is that perhaps the difference that can be made is that a trial can often be, how we would use the word trial, is an external thing. It's something from the outside. It's something that is challenging us from the external point of view, uh, making us wrestle with something, whatever it is. But then from an internal perspective, we might define that as a temptation. So something that is within us, that we're wrestling with in our heart, within our mind, can actually be that temptation, if that makes sense. So you got these two kind of ideas, but very, very much the same thing, a trial and a temptation. And often you'll find that in this world a trial can lead to a temptation, uh, or a temptation may, may make you feel like you're undergoing a trial. <laughs> you see how closely knit it is. Um, but as we look at James, we need to just recognize that before we start looking what James has to say, that we ourselves face trials. And according to James, what's so significant about trials is it is what is vital in shaping us as Christians. We need trials, believe it or not, to help shape us. For a moment, so Ludwig played a, well he didn't play a game, he he challenged your imagination this morning, so I want to challenge it a little bit further, and imagine a world, for a moment, without trials. Imagine a world without temptations. I think that kind of gets you excited, yes, it will be a wonderful world. Um, so then the question is, why do we have trials? Why do we have temptations? I mean, if you imagine it, if, you, if there's something in you that longs for it, why do we have a world that is filled with temptations and trials? Well, <clears throat> we have mentioned it this morning, that it is because we are in a broken world. It is a result of the fall, it is a result of sin, that we face trials and temptations you think about that for a moment, if you had to take the origin of sin out of the picture, take Adam and Eve, that moment of the fall, out of the equation, would there be need for trials or temptations? And if you think of what James is saying here, that the trials and temptations are there for us so that it may produce a steadfast faith. Well, would we need it if there was no sin? Would our lives not be perfected by the very Creator, void of the fall? If we didn't have sin in our lives, would we need trials? And then again, sin and temptation go so hand in hand. But I suppose temptation is your outlook on sin. Temptation is the way you're looking at sin and how you're handling it. So as I was thinking about James and what he's saying here, I I think we need to contemplate that we are in a very peculiar position in the way we think about trials and temptation. We're sitting in a church. We understand that there was the fall. We understand that there is sin. So we look at trial and temptation very differently to what the world does. You go out into the world, and the world is struggling to explain The hardships in life. Why things are happening. Why is there disaster? Why is there suffering? Why is there hardship? Why are there trials in life? And the world is asking this question. The world wants to know what the answer is, but the world is avoiding turning to God to find the answer. You see, for the world void of God, the trials and temptations are just life and it's curveballs and if you're sitting here this morning and you feel that trials and temptations are weighing you down far more than the joy that is found in God then we need to reshift and rethink the way we are facing our trials and temptations because we are putting ourselves in that category of the world trying to figure it out rather than look to the Creator Look to the one that is good and greater than any trial or any temptation or any hardship or any struggle that we will face. You see, I think the hard thing is when we go out of these doors this morning and we look at the world around us, we see the suffering, we see the hurt. And you have the discussions with the people around you, the people at work that might not know God, that might not know Jesus and what he has done for us you hear that sound of despair in the way they're talking about it there's this feeling like this world just sucks and you see how it weighs down on everybody and you see just like us when we lose sight of who god is what he is capable of doing those trials start weighing us down they become heavy they become burdensome and so james has something very interesting to say and let's Dig into it a little bit deeper. James 1 verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. I mean, this contradicts what we want to hear. We don't want to hear that when you face trials, you need to consider and count it as all joy. In verse 3, he carries on, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. James is telling us here that through these trials, through these things that are going to test us, they are going to test our faith to produce steadfastness. And then verse 4, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Who of you want to be lacking in nothing? Who of you want to be perfect? Anybody? faultless. No blemish. You can't say anything wrong. You can't do anything wrong. And who's done something wrong this morning and got in trouble for it? Who wants to be perfect? If that's you, then be prepared to suffer. Be prepared to struggle. Because we're not going to just become that. And so James is drawing our attention to that. He's saying... If you want to be perfect if you want to find that perfection in God you need to struggle you need to eat some dirt you can get on your knees and you're going to struggle and as I've worked through this thought the more and more I'm wrestling with it the more and more I'm trying to resist it because there's something in me that is saying God I don't want to accept this so I'm not I'm not Talking about this easily, this is difficult. Because deep down I'm saying, I want life to be easy. I want the perfection without the struggle. I want the good life without the hardship. And unfortunately it doesn't work that way. Because God is precise and meticulous and He knows exactly what we need. And He needs us to be refined. He needs us to be shaped, to be molded, into. the A perfect representation of who he is but that can't happen if we remain the way we are and the way we are is broken human beings marred by sin and we need to endure the suffering and the hardships and the trials to come out on the other side perfected steadfast let's jump down again to verse 12 and listen to this language that james is using He said, blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Which God has promised to those who love him. You see the blessing? The blessing is that the man who stands steadfast receives that crown of life. There is a reward that surpasses any hardship, any struggle, anything in this world that this world throws at you, or that you even throw at yourself, and that is life. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And this is the one part that really hit me, is verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Now, sharing this with you this morning, my desire is that I don't have to struggle. That I don't have to face suffering. That I get the easy way out. I mean, that's my desire. Part of it. I have many other desires. And that's my desire. I want the easy way out. I I want to have a good life. Easy life. But you see what's happening there is if I let that desire keep growing and keep manifesting and keep... On, verse 15 then tells me that that desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And so what have I done in my heart? I begin, I begin to covet a life that is not right. I begin to covet a life that is not in line with what God has in store. I begin to covet something above God. And you see the danger of how your desires even a desire for not suffering can lead you down a path of living a life for your own benefit, your own own goodness, rather than a goodness to serve God and love Him. And then the rest of verse 15, and that sin, when it is fully grown, gives, gives brings forth death. You see, when you start living for your desires, your desires lead you to live for yourself. And yourself is never going to get you into heaven. <laughs> Living for yourself will never save you. Only Christ, who died for you, can save you. So the real question that I want to get us to is to start thinking about this steadfast, steadfastness in the trials. Because James has this call, this call to be steadfast in our trials. And the question is, how does that look like in practice? How does that look like? Well, I think on the one side, we need to face the fact, And this is a hard question to ask, and maybe you don't want to hear it this morning. But 2 Timothy 3, for example, 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And the question that I'm asking is, are you willing to step into that? Are you willing to say, I want to be a Christian, and I know what it entails. I know that it's not easy. I know it's not going to be a walk in the park. And like Ludwig said, that if if things are going well, know that it's temporary. And if things are not going well and difficult that it is temporary we need to recognize that to live a life for Christ is hard it's going to be challenging have you faced that before have you experienced that and I think to some degree we've all faced it somehow in some way so how does it look like to practice being steadfast well my words fail me Because I can try 101 different things and it seems to fail. But I thought that as I was reading this, Brother Lawrence puts it the most eloquently and the best way. Listen to what he says. The most holy practice, the nearest to daily life, the most essential for spiritual life is the practice of the presence of God. That is to find joy in his divine company. And to make it a habit of life speaking humbly and conversing lovingly with him at all times every moment without rule or restriction above all at times of temptation distress dryness revulsion and even of faithlessness and sin quite a mouthful so i challenge you to go and read that again but my question is Are you able to practice coming to God again and again and again, day by day, minute by minute, second by second, moment, every single moment of every single day, coming to Him, regardless of what's happening around you, regardless of your temptations, regardless of your struggles, regardless of, as He says, your distress? regardless of how dry it feels, even regardless of your sin. I mean, who of you do that? I know that's one of the hardest things to do, is in the midst of you being aware of your sin, getting on your knees and talking to God. It just feels so difficult. And so it's Brother Lawrence that actually points it out. He says, when you come to the Lord in prayer... He says it's very difficult to be focused on God as well as whatever the world is throwing at you at the same time. Either you're focusing on God when you're praying or you're focusing on the thing that's distracting you. But that's the importance of coming to God, getting on your knees before Him, seeking Him. So being steadfast in our trials would look like that. He's coming before God moment by moment. Seeking Him. Speaking to Him. Conversing with Him. Talking to Him. Telling Him about your struggle. Telling Him about your hardship. Telling Him about the things that are getting you down, that are weighing you down. And I think if we leave here this morning and we haven't realized... That the only thing that is getting in your way of doing that is your own desire your own heart that's stopping you then we need to have a mind shift adjustment so i put there we count it all joy why do we count it all joy well we count it all joy because in christ jesus we are free to come to our lord god despite the severity of our trials it doesn't matter what you're facing. doesn't matter your struggles. If you believe in what Jesus Christ has done for you, you are free to come to Him. Free to come to Him in your hardship. Free to come to Him in your struggles. Free to come to Him in your trials and your temptations. In fact, we need to come to Him. If there is anything in this world that we need, is Jesus Christ and to be before Him. Because you see, when we do that, the pressure is lifted. And we begin to count it as all joy. Because you see, if we are focused on ourselves, if we are focused on our circumstance, to see it as all joy becomes so difficult. But when we focus on Christ, suddenly, our situations, our hardships, our struggles become minute in relation to how great He is. Before I end off, I would like to also just say that this isn't an easy topic. It's not an easy thing to wrestle with. As I said, there's something in our hearts that keeps going through this. There's these desires in our hearts that Long for something else. And I've said it this week as I was thinking about this passage. If I had my own way, you hear the, the nature of what I'm about to say, if I had my own way, I would choose something else. If I could plan my own future, I would choose a different one, an easier one, a simpler one. One where I don't have to stand so steadfast because life doesn't have so many challenges or struggles or trials or temptations. But the reality is we need to face them. It's those things that produce in us character, that produce in us something that makes us fit for the kingdom of heaven. And from my personal, current personal experience, as much as I wrestle with the the moments in those days where I want to give up the struggle and the fight and the hardships or whatever it is that it feels like in the moment, I'm being challenged to look back from where I've come and thank God because I wouldn't want to replace that for anything. I wouldn't want to change that for anything because God does incredible things through our trials and temptations. He shapes us. And when we begin to open our eyes to see what He is shaping us into, we begin to see that we become far better off having gone through it than never having gone through it at all. And I said this to Zahn, I wouldn't wish anything like what we are going through currently on anybody, but I wish that people could grow through those challenges through those things because there's something so amazing so incredible about what god is able to do through struggles and hardships and trials and temptations that he is so able to shape you you become and this is my one of my favorite words currently is malleable you become malleable in a time of trial in a time of temptation of struggle of hardship if you don't know what the word malleable means it's a beautiful word it means and the best way to explain it is when something is so intensely heated that you can begin to shape it and mold it but I don't know if any of you have recently waved your hand over the stove while it's on it's hot and so often we we get frightened of that heat but it's under those immense times that God can shape us and mold us we become malleable we become once again we are clay in the potter's hands where he can then shape us I've put there one last passage on the bottom of your page as a closing thought it's 2 Corinthians 1 verse 6 to 7 it says and this is Paul writing to the church of Corinth He says this, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort." So my challenge to us this morning is, as much as we need to rest in Christ and focus on Him and look to Him and be steadfast in that, we need to turn to one another. Turn to one another this morning and in your discussion over a cup of coffee, share your struggles with one another. Share your trials with one another. Because from what we can learn from what Paul is saying here is that when we do that, When we see the afflictions we might also see the comfort and the salvation that is available and maybe there are things of comfort that you can share so that we may be comforted but it's as we patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer that we get to recognize as he says that our hope is unshaken jesus christ is unshaken he is the shaker. <laughs> I think of what that song that we just sang early on. When He hung on that cross, the earth shook. <laughs> and how amazing is that? That He is unshaken. Our trust in Him, our focus needs to be on Him, the one that won't fail us, that won't disappear. And when that becomes right, when the alignment becomes right in that sense, then there's joy. Because we stop living for ourselves, we stop living for what's happening in our lives, and we recognize what Jesus Christ has done for us. He pulls us up out of our circumstance, out of our trials, and he He shows us His goodness and what He's already done for us. So let's share with one another those stories of how Jesus Christ has been there for you in your trials, in your temptations, in your hardships. So as you have a cup of coffee together, share Jesus Christ with one another. Because in Him, we can count it all joy. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You that no matter our circumstance, no matter what we're facing, that you did send your son Jesus Christ and that in him we have immense hope and we can stand steadfast in what he has done for us and Lord where we fail and where we flounder and fall around making the wrong decisions making mistakes where our desires don't align with your will and where we are overcome by our trials and temptations help us to turn our eyes to you help us to seek you despite what is happening Lord we thank you for your son we thank you for your grace and your mercy we thank you for your greatness that it surpasses anything in this world may our hearts be filled with thankfulness may our hearts be filled with all joy when we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Amen.